Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Parents at Work Balance and Wellbeing. Today, um, I've got myself. Um, I'm a, healing, a health and wellbeing practitioner. And Samuel Eddy, um, sorry, my name's Katie Walls, and Samuel Eddy is with us as well, executive coach and counsellor also um, with Parents at Work. So welcome. Today, we're going to be exploring sleep and all the many facets of sleep. We're gonna be looking at how you feel when you wake up in the morning, what's contributing to how you're waking up in the morning and how you're actually feeling. Um, we'll be looking at cravings that you may be having, which be, could be affecting your sleep. Uh, if you're staying up late at night, just have time with yourself, but what effect does that actually have in your next day? We're gonna be looking at the quality of your sleep rather than just focusing on the quantity and looking at the different sabotages that can come in, um, so that we're generating ourselves, but also that come in from the outside dealing with life in general. So just a few little housekeeping things to um, for this next period of time that we've got together. This session is being recorded. So if for any reason you do have to go and you wanna catch up on the rest of it, the um, link will be emailed out to you. And if really encourage you to ask any questions, because um, as much as you're contributing, then everyone gets the benefits of that and it makes it quite interactive. So don't hold back if it's anything from this session or a session that you've listened to as part of this series, please feel free to um, ask those questions as we go. So sleep is a big aspect of our life and you hear quite often that people feel they're not getting enough of it or as no matter how they're well-intentioned um, to get a really good night's sleep, that um, it, we, we might feel like we're actually achieving that goal. So, um, yeah, I'd like to ask you, um, Sam, what, what have you experienced with um, sleep in general and um, any shifts that you may have been making to, to really feel an impact in the quality of your sleep? Yeah, um, thanks, Katie, and hi, everyone. It's good to be here again. Um, you're right, it's such a, I think it's such a topic that touches everyone because it, we, we all probably recognise the fact that we don't always get good sleep. Um, and I myself at times haven't either. I'm a lucky person, in, I guess, in one respect, in that I fall asleep at the drop of a hat, so it, I'm out cold um, pretty quickly. So I'm lucky I don't have any problems getting to sleep but it doesn't always mean I get a good quality sleep. So sometimes I can wake up tired um, and even if I've had, you know, a good eight hours, um, I can wake up a bit agitated even. Um, I tend to wake I, I sometimes I wake up maybe once in the middle of the night, sometimes not at all. Um, sometimes it might be a couple of times, but generally I sleep through. But again, it doesn't always indicate whether or not the quality of my sleep is good. Um, and I don't know about you, Katie, but one of the things I found is the busier I am in my head and the more things I've got going on. So if work really sort of gets extremely busy or if things are going on at home, um, if there's perhaps something has happened that's on my mind that I'm stressing about, I tend to find that my sleep is affected and I might often wake up more tired than I do um, if, if, my mind, if my mind is relatively calm, if that makes sense. So I find one of the measures in terms of my quality of sleep is how busy my mind is and how much I've got on and how much I'm worrying about things, worrying about work, what might have to be happening with work, at home, perhaps family. I've got a family member who's unwell sometimes. I might be worried about them and I know if I'm aware of that, if I if I get the awareness, I can often relate it directly back to my sleeping patterns. I don't know if you find the same. Yeah, it's like a it's like a radar, isn't it? That um whatever you mightn't be wanting to feel the extent of during your day, your sleep reflects that. So it's like you can't you can't hide anything and that it's kind of beautiful to go, okay, well, am I just crashing out in bed at night in a bit of exhaustion from my day? Then my body's actually going to be working pretty hard just to clear the overwhelm, I suppose, rather than actually rejuvenating. And what's good is each small shift that we actually make makes a really big difference with anything in life that, you know, equally so with sleep. 
So rather than going, look, my sleep, you know, we can be honest and go, yeah, my sleep's not where it should be or actually my sleep's really bad, that's a marker to start from. And, um, yeah, just as you say, Sam, it, it, it's influenced by so many different things, by what we're eating, by um, how our nervous system is during the day, um, any unresolved aspects, any conversations that aren't complete, um, anywhere we don't feel equipped for our day, et cetera, then we take that to bed. So whatever's played out, we take that to bed. But I think what really helps to focus on as well, if we're looking to shift some of the patterns that we have is just understanding that our sleep actually, sorry, our day actually starts with our sleep. So our new day doesn't necessarily begin in the morning if we look at it as though it actually begins at night because however we're going to bed and however the quality of that sleep is, that's going to pretty much dictate or influence the next day. And when there's that realisation, the quality of care, when I'm talking to people about this, they'll go, I've never actually considered that as a possibility. So really, by the end of the day, I'm just rolling into bed. I'm not even preparing for the next day or I'm not considering that, hey, you know what, how I sleep is going to have a huge impact on the next day. You hear people say, look, I've got a big day tomorrow. I'm going to go to bed a bit earlier and, and that helps. But if we look at sleep, across the whole week because sometimes we do have to go out sometimes we might have meetings or family commitments etc so if you look at your whole week and start preparing um, the best that you can that then you start to feel your energy level shifting as well and your patterns of sleep rather than just looking at it at that one night to one night to one night if that makes sense yeah absolutely i think that's good advice because often we can get fixated on that one night of bad sleep and then it can kind of perpetuate um, and we can actually then start to worry about it perhaps unnecessarily. Um, just a quick one, Katie, are you hearing me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Are you hearing okay. me okay? Yeah, hearing you fine. We just had a couple of comments, okay. so thanks to those who just said I was cutting out a bit before, um, so apologies for that. Hopefully I'm okay now, um, but yeah, if, if there's any problems, just let us know again, but hopefully the internet will We'll smooth out, and you can, and you can, and you can keep hearing us. Um, but yes, it's true that I think um, one of the things I was actually sort of came into today talk, to talk about was um, if you are suffering from poor sleep, and, and please let us know in the question box if you are, and what sort of things you struggle with with sleep, is that you can actually survive on a lot less sleep than we think, and I think we put that in the intro as well, or the brief for this topic, um, because. One of the things, and often poor sleep is linked with stress and anxiety, and one of the things we do is we really worry about the fact that we're not sleeping. And it's one of those things, if you are worried about it, it's then harder, to, can be harder to get to sleep, um, and our minds become more agitated. And it's one of the things I do with clients a lot, um, I talk about with clients a lot, is around getting comfortable with the fact that we can actually have a lot less sleep, we can actually survive and function, on a, loss, a lot less sleep than we think. So one of the first steps to try to change your pattern of sleeping is to just to accept what you're getting at the moment and understand that you, you know, you'll be okay and you probably have been okay. You might've been tired, it might've had an impact on your life, but overall you've kind of survived through it. So one of the first things I say is that when we can accept the current sleeping pattern we have and know that we can really function reasonably well on, on on low amounts of sleep, we're in a better place to start um, making the changes we want, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's funny, isn't it? It, it can so easily become an obsession. Um, you know, so especially if you've got young children, toddlers, you've been wake, waking up during the night, or there's those influences that are impacting you. And when you're feeling tired anyway, you know, it, make, it makes total sense for it to be um, quite a consideration. But I, I really feel that that preparation at the night, it's just undervalued as to the effects. So when you're getting home from work, are we go, go, go? Or do we actually go, you know what? I've got to go to sleep in two hours. I'm feeling a bit revved. I'm feeling a bit racy. So I've actually got a commitment to myself to start to work on that so that I'm not, straight into bed and then ex accept myself just to go to sleep when I've got so much running in my system. It's like a computer. 
if you've got all these programs going or downloads going, you know, that, that's running in the background. So the more we can at least identify if there are aspects that we're worrying about, if there's something that we can do about it then and there to, you know, have those conversations, or if it's something that's out of our control to really, you know, be loving with yourself in the, in the way of saying, actually, that's, I just have to park that for now and focus on what will support me as I'm getting prepared for the evening and getting prepared for my sleep. Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, Kate, what do you think about um, the length of sleep we have um, yeah. in terms of it equating to quality? Just curious about your experience, because often that's a question we get asked a lot um, is, you know, do we really need eight hours? We, if you sort of search and Google and you look at the media, there's often stories about are you getting your eight hours sleep? Um, I know, for example, my mum has only ever really had five hours sleep. And she's fine with that. Once she sort of accepted the fact that she could she would only sleep that long, she's quite a light sleeper. She actually became fine with it and doesn't seem to need um, any more sleep to function quite well. So just curious as to what you think and what your experience is with clients. Totally, yeah, totally agree with that. And that's that's been um, my experience too, and and that of many many people. And that's that's where it's good to you know to pinpoint and why we're focusing on it about the obsession that can come about from the hours of sleep that we should be having versus actually what does my body need and what's my marker of quality sleep and then what's my marker of the amount of sleep. So you might find if you've been sick and your immune system's working harder, you're going to need more sleep or if you've had a really busy time that you've had to be really committed more so than, than usual, then you might have a catch-up of a couple of days where you're feeling tighter and you know that weekend, actually, I've got to get a little bit more sleep or I'm going to have an afternoon nap, etc. But overall, there's so many factors that affect the amount of sleep that we have to have. And from a personal experience, the more I started looking at eating what was right for my body um, and, and not necessarily what was being dictated as, as healthy and the amount that you should be eating, but actually starting to be in relationship with my body in relation to the food and then feeling the effects of it, there were definitely certain foods that would make me very tired and, and hence why I cut out dairy and started to cut out wheat, et cetera, because I'd have them and then feel quite tired. It was only beforehand I wasn't really aware of the impact the food was having. So if you've, if you've got any sensitivities or um, your body's reacting to anything and, and that definitely will, will make you want to sleep more or if it just doesn't make you feel that good, whatever you happen to be eating. So if you look at someone who's not looking at the food and the effects, then they would perhaps have to sleep more than someone is. And that was definitely, I realised I was sleeping less, having to sleep less, waking up more refreshed um, and also... You know, two hands up, and I lot, and I mention this because I know a lot of us fall into this. If you're busy all day, or you're working all day, and then you're looking after the kids, and it gets to about eight o'clock, and you're sitting on the couch, or you just feel tired within yourself, but you override that because you think I just want to have a bit of me time, or I, you know, I just want to finish off the washing or whatever it happens to be. But your body's actually saying to you, then I need to go to bed, and then we override it. And I don't know if any of you can relate to this. You get another kick in of energy. And it's like, oh, cool. Okay, yeah, I'll just finish this. And before you realise it's 10.30, 11 o'clock and you're thinking, well, that's super cool. I've got all this stuff done. But do we stop and go, where does that kick in of energy come if my body's made it really clear that I'm tired and I need to go to sleep? Mm-hmm. That next kick in is actually your next day energy reserve. So it's not really super cool, is it? Because we're already going into the next day and hence that feeling of going to bed, then the alarm goes off and, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get my head off the pillow, have a shower, get back into the next day, et cetera, et cetera. It can feel a little bit Groundhog Day-ish. So, again, practically working with this and realising that, starting to shift that, so, yeah, no longer a night owl and haven't been for many years because I started to feel the effect on the body. And now for me, four nights, four, four hours is, is, is usually what I need. Sometimes I may need a little bit more. But that's been a refinement and that's been wanting, you know, the, the aim of actually wanting to wake up feeling ready to go during the day or refreshed for the day and not, not tired. 
So there's so much that we can do um, with shifting our sleeping patterns. I think that's such good, so good for people to hear that you, you know, you as an example are functioning quite well on four hours and you've figured out perhaps looking at your life holistically, if I'm characterising that right, to then figure out well, what, what does your body need in terms of sleep? What does your mind need? Um, and as you were talking, we had a question come in and the question is, I can wake at 4 or 5 a.m. and know I need to go back to sleep for impending for the impending work day but struggle to fall back to sleep. So any recommended strategies? And as you were talking... I guess we need to perhaps do something similar to what you did, Katie, and start to try and connect the dots a bit. So just to see what other areas of like of life might be impacting your sleep. So you talked about diet, so that could be one thing. Um, you talked about dairy um, or wheat for you as perhaps something that was impacting you. Um, one of the other common the other common things are: are we having too much sugar? as a stimulant, as well as coffee. How much coffee are we drinking during the day? Um, uh, we talked before, talked a little bit about what's on your mind. Um, you know, are you going to bed with lots of thoughts? Um, when you wake up, and this is to the question, when you wake up at 4 or 5 a.m., is there anything on your mind? Um, and are you feeling tired? So um, if you are, then it, perhaps it's a sign and there's stuff that needs to sort out to maybe try and reduce stress levels so that you're not thinking perhaps about the, the pending workday or the impending workday. Um, if you've got other things on your mind, it, it's again, it could be a sign there's something to sort out. It could be to do with what you're eating. It could be to do with your um, routine prior to going to bed. If you're perhaps um, watching TV and your mind's being sort of stimulated right up until you go to bed um, and it's taking energy, as, as you also mentioned, Katie, that can have an impact on us when we're sleeping because our mind can struggle to turn off. So I think it's really about um, if you are in that situation, and it's a really great question because a lot of us wake up, you know, really sort of breaking it down and going, well, am I actually tired? If I'm not tired, perhaps it could be one sign that perhaps I don't need as much sleep as I think. Um, or it could be if there's stuff on your mind, it could be a sign that there's other stuff in your life that, we need to try and sort of calm down or reduce so that we're not so tired um, and our mind is not racing so that when we do go to sleep, there's more of a chance that we will get the quality sleep that we need. I think it's all the factors really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and with that question too, if we look at what, what time we're going to bed, because that makes a big impact and excuse me, if we look at the spleen cycle in the body, it does most of its rejuvenation between 9 and 1 o'clock in the morning. The spleen does a lot of clearing of the blood in our system and it really supports that um, rejuvenation process. So it makes sense that if it's doing most of its work between 9 and 1, actually farmers cottoned onto this early on, going to bed earlier and rising earlier, and there's, there's a lot in it. So that's another thing to really look at. And as I was going to bed earlier, that's when I also needed le less sleep. And again, it didn't happen overnight. It was, it was an accumulative thing of, of losing feeling and wanting to work on it to feel better the next day. Um, so the earlier we can go to bed, that really supports you as well to feel more rejuvenated the next day. And exactly as you're saying, Sam, and this is where we can become a bit concerned that, you know, you might wake up at four or five and you think, I've got a big day today. I need to go and get as much sleep as I can. But if you go back to sleep when your body's actually ready to wake up, you actually feel worse when you wake, go back to sleep and then wake up. And it's kind of like you can feel a little bit of a hangover feeling or um, not, feeling, not feeling as fresh as you did when you initially woke up. So those aspects that you talked about, Sam, are really great to go actually when I wake up, am I feeling any anxiety? And often you can just put your hand um, um, on your rib cage just to feel if it's if your heart's beating faster or actually if you feel quite settled in, within yourself, is your mind racing with thoughts? So are you being woken up because you've actually gone to sleep in anxiety or are you waking up and actually you might be ready to wake up? And if you're going to bed earlier, it makes sense that you'd be waking up earlier. 
So it's just assessing where you're at with your sleep, when you're going to bed, what time, how does that feel for you? Quite often we'll know, we'll just get a feeling, you know, I should be in bed now. But but the and that's you know, looking at the sabotage that comes in too of feeling, well, I have to just get this last thing done, otherwise I'm not gonna have enough time the next day. Some sometimes you actually gotta stop and go, something's got a tweak here. So what if I just actually don't I actually go to sleep when I'm feeling to or start preparing for bed when I'm actually feeling to then give myself an opportunity to adjust and then I might just have more energy the next day to do everything that I wanted to and the quality that I'm doing in it, doing those things in will actually also improve as well because I've got to look at where the worry comes in and what I hear from most people is I don't if I if I don't complete it that night I don't feel like I'm going to get enough done or I wake up feeling like I'm on the back foot um, and it's just a cycle that then continues because you're not getting the sleep that you want so then you're not getting the quality of sleep that you want so sometimes it's being lovingly disciplined to go no I'm going to try something new I'm going to give it a really good go for at least a week and and go to bed when I feel to even though I might be a bit anxious and I'm not completing everything and then seeing how I actually feel so it's like like an experiment and learning with yourself yeah, I think it's definitely test and learn because um, the, the reasons why you're not sleeping or perhaps you only need or you need less sleep than you think um, might not be obvious until you try and unpack it a bit and you test it and you see what you were doing one day to the next to see if there are any patterns forming um, that you can see and you're like, oh, yes, my sleep's affected when I exercise super late at night and so my body's still really aroused so then I it's difficult for me to get to sleep when I try and force it. Or it could be the food, or as we've talked about, um, not slowing down enough before mm. before bed during your preparation routine. And and I think you said something else as well, that having sleep perhaps when you don't need it can actually make you feel worse. And I I thought it was worth talking a little about the little bit about the sleep cycle. So from what from what I understand and and through my research around sleep, it, there's different sort of stages of sleep. Sometimes some people break it down into four stages, um, and the first stage is you know it's when your brain is kind of what they call an alpha waves, and that's just sort of your light wakefulness sleep. Um, it's just when you're first starting to fall asleep, if you like. The second stage is that transition between wakefulness and that deeper sleep. And then stage three and four are more the restorative sleep. So stage three is, is they call it restorative sleep. Um, and it's it's where your, I guess, body starts to stabilise. They talk about um, it's where your body starts to go into repair um, and different hormones are in place to help repair your body. Um, so if we sort of awake um, just say we, we wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. in that example and we force us to, ourselves to go back to sleep for an hour and the alarm goes off mid um, one of those deepest states of sleep, um, it can make you feel really groggy and interrupt what is a natural sleep cycle. And they talk about these cycles or a complete cycle of sleep and um, it depends what you read, but some say it can be around 90 minutes, can be one sleep cycle. So you then can really get a really great full cycle of sleep for 90 minutes. So that's where a, a nap could be really good, if you like. So it's important to understand, um, and, and as Katie was saying, really test what works for you. So if you're, um, and the cycle can vary for each of us. So it's not a fixed 90 minutes, it could be more, or it can be less. So if you find yourself napping and 30 minutes is enough, that's great and you feel fine afterwards. Or if you nap for an hour and you wake up and you feel awful, perhaps you're um, cutting into your natural sleep cycle. So I think it's important to be aware of that because um, often we don't sort of quite know. We just think if I get a bit more sleep, that will be better than not getting sleep at all, when in fact it can be the the reverse. Mm. Um, and as we're talking, I think this is just such a, a juicy topic, if you like, because we've got lots of comments. So I'll just read a few comments and a couple of questions, if that's okay, Katie. Yeah, um, we have one awesome. Sorry. <laughs> Um, we had one person who uses a Fitbit to me measure the sleep and I think they're picking up on the points we're making about when they truly look at the figures, when you take away restlessness minutes, 
um, when you're awake to go to the toilet, for example, um, this person thought they were getting around eight hours sleep, but they're probably getting closer to seven. So I, the point they're making is that it, it goes to show that you really need to listen to your body um, as well as what you're eating and, and all the other things I've talked about um, that really impact the quality of sleep you're getting. So even though you might think you'd be getting eight hours, you know, what's the quality like? So that was a really great example. Um, and this is a really good question too from, from another listener. If you are sleeping shorter times during the week, can you catch up on sleep on the weekends? Because I know that's something I used to try a lot um, and we all do try and I'm just keen to hear what you think, Katie, on that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how effective it is, to be honest, as much as we'd like it to work. But it's like we're not taking responsibility and to, like, to be really honest, we're not taking responsibility of our well-being during the week to the level that our body's wanting. So it's like we're trying to kind of manipulate it a bit and totally understand what you're saying, I've done it myself. Um, it's still not the same. It's, it's not the same as if like that catch up or you're catching up probably on a bit of exhaustion, but you're not actually, this is what Sam and I are talking about, the quality of your sleep and rejuvenating during your sleep. We're not getting that juicy stuff, which is what our cells love rather than just clearing our day, so to speak, or the, the excess that we've taken on during our day. So you, you can get away with it so far, but you're just really scratching the barrel in relation to, you know what, I want to have a really great sleep cycle to the best of my ability. The outside world's going to throw things at me at times, so it won't be ideal. That's life. But therefore, if I have quite a consistent rhythm in my sleep, then I'm going to have the flexibility and the reserve there for when life does throw something to me at me versus I'm not suggesting the person who's asked the question is in this category, but versus someone, mm. let's say, who's wanting to go out more, um, not wanting to miss out on things or booking too much in their week and therefore that then we're not caring for the body to the level we want to so we'll get away with it so long and then it's like the body goes, you know what, that just doesn't work for me. Um, yeah, that's that's just been an experience. And, yeah, and no, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And um, I'm just, Katie, there's a bit of scratching in the background. I'm not sure if it's you or me, but just someone's let us know. So thank you for that. Um, so apologies. I don't know if it's just the sounds. I think we're having a few difficulties today, but thank you for letting us know. Hopefully that will fade away. Um, I think it's a good question because I think in the world in which we live, the whole idea of catching up and or I will do it later. So it can be in all areas of our life. I will sort of put my well-being on hold, if you like, and I will mm. try and make up for it later. Or I might have that extra glass of wine and I'll start being healthier next week or I'll go to the gym next week. Um, that whole catch-up mentality and whilst I get it and I've been there, I still fall into that trap a little bit. I think your advice, Katie, is spot on in that it can be fine in the short term. For example, if you need sleep at the weekend because you've perhaps um, not uh, been able to get enough during the week, yes, of course you need to take the sleep. But ultimately, um, the stress or the, the tension on your body will build up and, and it will probably manifest in some form if you don't reconcile what's happening during the week and make time for proper good quality sleep during the week as well. Um, because we can't sort of just cram it in, in, I think, in the world in which we live in, and it goes to this whole problem of sleep. We we go to work, you know, sort of 8 to 12 hours a day, depending on who you are. You're supposed to come home, you eat, and then you go to sleep for 8 hours a day. So life can feel reg very regimented, and we often hear a lot of messages about how we should live our lives, and I think that's part of the problem because we're told that we should go home and get eight hours sleep, whereas some people like yourself, Katie, only need four. Um, some people actually probably their, their ideal sleeping style is probably napping. It might be, um, you know, napping a few times a day, and some people who have really flexible working often do that. You hear about entrepreneurs who might sleep a bit during the day and then their best thinking happens later at night, which is not necessarily great for their teams who are on a, a more traditional work schedule, but it just shows you that sleep is really individual and so um, unique. All our requirements are really unique depending on our circumstances. So, um, you know, one of the things I recommend is playing around with naps 
testing out your nap time, seeing if they really you know, um, improve your energy during the day, if you have some flexibility to work from home. Maybe that's a good place to try it and see. Use the weekends for that if you can. Um, but obviously not banking it up to try and catch up, but using it as a healthy kind of part of your routine just to see um, if it improves your energy level, it improves your quality of sleep. Um, yeah. and, and just on that, in terms of, um, I think people with the first question around waking up at 4 or 5 a.m. and how do you get back to sleep, we had another similar question um, and this was um, to do with someone's daughter um, waking them during the night and when they get woken up, they get agitated or a bit frustrated and find it hard to get back to sleep. So do we have any suggestions um, to support, you know, um, getting back to sleep when this happens or how do you cope with this when you, you might get an interruption and that's a common one for new parents uh, or parents of any age really that you might be going through a patch where you're constantly waking up. You know, is there any advice how to support yourself during that time and, that, and then to get back to sleep if you know you need some more? Yeah, so that's a really big one, isn't it, especially um, for parents. And then it depends what your relationship is like with the fact that you're actually getting woken up. So mm -hmm. first off, just clocking, going, am I already in, in anxiety knowing and dreading, you know, that, that I am going to be woken up during the night? So first would be great to work with that and go, actually, the more I can accept the fact that at the moment that's what's happening and knowing that what I need to do to support myself can come. But, yeah, I am going to be woken up at the moment. So when you're going to bed, just preparing um, how things need to be for if you, if it's just a quick wake up or if it takes you a little bit longer to settle um, your child, then, you know, having things set up so that you're going to be warm, you've got your dressing gown there if you have one or slippers or whatever it is so that you can actually feel that that preparation coming back to you for whatever your situations might be if there is night waking or others to care for during the night, be it kids or people who might be caring for. So that in itself has already put you a notch up in your preparation for whatever may happen during that night. A trap we all can often fall into is if there's settling aspects that we need to do with the kids so that it's not an ongoing pattern for them if we're tired, we've had a big day at work, we just go, I'll just do the easiest option so that we can all get back to sleep. And many can relate to that and have done that. But there becomes a point where we're just delaying. It's no different to, you know, parents being concerned if their child has a dummy, taking the dummy away, there's going to be an unsettled period. So if it's, you know, having more of those conversations with the children, if they are a bit older, to ask them what's going on with them, find out what's disturbing, because any lack of sleep in our house affects the whole family. If you've got a parent that's tired, that's actually going to affect your parenting and your ability to be with the kids, etc. So if we look at it as a bigger picture, that it's not just about me getting the sleep I want to get tonight, but it's about supporting everyone so that the family has, has that consistency going forward. And sometimes we do just delay things with the quick fix for the time, but then a year later, it could be, oh, it's still happening and they're still coming into bed when I know actually it's just that I need to support the kids more with them feeling equipped to deal with the dreams they might be having or their light sleeping patterns that they might be having and getting support with that if you need to. Because it's interesting, we can go without food for longer than what we can actually go without sleep in the sense that that, and that's why it's used as a torture technique because it is, it is so um, impact, you know, it impacts so many aspects of our lives when we don't have, have that sleep. Yeah, I think, it, I think from what we're saying, it, it really seems like we're, we're tackling any sleep issue really on two fronts. So we're trying to be really strategic about it um, and just have a really holistic look. And I like your advice uh, on that question around, um, you know, what, what is it, perhaps if it's your children are waking you up and they're a bit older and, and trying to understand what it is so we're not just um, trying to pacify in the moment necessarily, even though sometimes we need to, um, just so we're, we're trying to, you know, bring a, an overall or, or bring a pattern of sleeping for everyone in the house back to a, a place where everyone's getting a, a nice peaceful night's sleep. 
Um, and I think also with our own sleep, when we're waking up, it's about looking at all the factors in our lives, doing that test and learn strategy to try and figure out what elements in our life are playing a role with this because it's so important. And I think also the second strategy or the second approach can be then, so if you find yourself um, in a bit of a bind with sleep, are there techniques and, and things that you need that you can implement to try and get back to sleep? Um, I like what you were saying, Katie, around that sort of acceptance, accepting that perhaps you're in a bit of a rough patch to sleep. So if you do wake up, your, your expectations are lowered. The more we drop our expectations of what sleep we need or will get, we're usually in, a, in a, a better place of acceptance to go, I'm accepting I'm in a rough patch of sleep at the moment. So you're not going to beat yourself up and add more tension to an already kind of difficult situation. Um, and then one of the things I, one of the simple things I suggest along those lines of acceptance is to not try and go back to sleep. So to, to, to sort of, it, it sort of can be a counterproductive, if you, or sorry, counterintuitive, but to try and not go back to sleep. One of the things I do if I find myself trying to get back to sleep is to go, no, I'm just going to lie here. I'm just going to try and slow my thinking down, or I'm just going to do something simple like try to keep my eyes open as long as I possibly can. So something simple like that. They talk about counting sheep is that classic um thing but it's along the lines of well I, I realize I'm awake I'm just going to enjoy as best I can the sort of the peaceful sounds of the night the feeling of the the soft mattress on my skin the um the the comfortable sheets I'm in the doona whatever it is and then I'm also just going to try and stay awake or keep my eyes open as long as I can and what you're doing in that yeah, moment, you're just good. trying to take the pressure off yourself um, and ex you're accepting the situation you're in and then you're trying to trying to just stay awake and it's actually quite hard and often before you know it, you're starting to drop off. Mm. So it can be quite a little small but quite powerful technique. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so true though, Sam. It's the um, biting that we go into and a lot of people that have had sleeping problems they've they start to feel bracing in their body as they're preparing for bed so it's like oh here i go again i've got to get through with this again and yeah if you're awake and you're wide awake why not getting up and maybe having a tea or whatever you might need to do another thing if you're concerned if you wake up and you feel a bit anxious about um what's going on have a pad just beside your bed and a pen and just write it down. Like if you've got a lot that you know you need to complete the next day and that's actually waking you up, putting it on the paper, then you know you've got it for the next day. You can park it and it's actually time to sleep. Another aspect also is um, we can be wake, woken up, like your body wakes you up and you feel you need to go to the toilet and might legitimately feel that way that you need to have a, a loose stop. But it, the, it's really cool because the body goes, you know what, your sleep is not good. I'm going to wake you up. So then you have an opportunity to resettle as well. So it shows, though, if that's happening, how much you are carrying from your day and then you're taking it into bed. And you might never be aware of it, especially if it's a pattern that you've had for a while and really pushing yourself, pushing yourself, then that can happen with that frequent waking where you're not necessarily anxious or in overwhelm. But, yeah, your body's going, you know what, we're just not getting to that rejuvenation stage of sleep. So I'm going to wake you up and give you an opportunity to go there if you're able. Yeah, I think that's it's a good um, indicator, isn't it, you know, that waking during the night as to perhaps, you know, what's going on and it can be your body's way of trying to, um, you know, wake you up and reset. I love that, the way you express it like that because often we sort of begrudge it we begrudge the yeah. fact that we're getting up and going to the toilet and interrupting our sleep, but perhaps it is a natural reset mechanism of the body to try and go, hang on, you kind of, this is sort of not peaceful sleep, it's agitated sleep perhaps. And so it's a good opportunity to, to look at it in a different way and use it as an opportunity to um, improve the quality of what of the remainder of the sleep you'll have that night. But yeah, just bringing that understanding. Sorry. So, sorry, just adding with what you're saying, bringing that understanding already starts to shift the frustration that you were talking about before that we often go into with sleep. It's like, actually, 
it doesn't have to be a problem that I'm waking up. Yes, something's waking me up. But, yeah, like we're saying, what if it's my body going, I want to give you another opportunity to get that to that deeper sleep and if I need to wake you up, then that that's okay. Or you get to feel, no, if, if there's things that um, you need to address and pop them on the on the pad, write them down and they're there for the next day. Sorry, Sam. Yeah. Thank you. No, 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 no. That's, that's that's all good stuff. I also was going to mention. I love that writing it down on paper. We talk about that um, most weeks, really, um, putting strategies to improve your well-being down on paper. But it makes sense if you're woken up and there's something on your mind. Yeah, put it on paper. It can be quite a great way to to give your mind a bit of rest and to know that you will deal with it. You know, in your waking moments. But then you. It's easier to let it go. I know I've done that myself quite a bit, and it's, it's a great technique. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, dreaming because, and often people talk about waking up feeling more tired than they went to sleep. I don't know if any of our listeners have experienced that, and feel free to let us know um, if that's a common experience for you. I know it happens to me sometimes. Um, and I, I talk about this a lot, particularly with um, my clients who suffer from anxiety, um, who often experience this because they might um, sleep for eight hours even and just wake up feeling more tired. And it can be um, a real frustrating experience for people. And I just wanted to talk about dreaming because if there's, when we dream, uh, whilst we're physically, we might be asleep, our mind can still be hugely active. And our mind can be playing out all the different scenarios in our head and it can be activating the nervous system when we're asleep. So um, when our body and our nervous system, our heart might be racing a bit, the adrenaline might be coursing a little bit through our bodies if we're dreaming, particularly if we're having stressful dreams or nightmares. Um, and that can be a, quite a common occurrence for people who are suffering from stress or anxiety, and for all of us at times in our life. Um, and it, again, it's it, it's a good sign that there's something going on in terms of on your mind that's keeping your, it's putting you into more of a dreamlike state or a stressful dreamlike state during the night. So if it's happening to you, um, it's a sign that perhaps there's stuff going on in your life that's on your mind that's fueling these dream thoughts, um, these stressful dreams. Um, and it can be a good sign that's, that perhaps it's time to try and unpack it, trying to look for what, why is it that I've got this, this stuff on my mind all the time because it, it can impact your sleep in that way. And that's often the reason why people do wake up more tired um, than when they went to sleep. And, and once people get that knowledge and understanding, it can be a bit of a relief to know that, okay, it's you know nothing seriously wrong, it's frustrating because I'm still tired, but that's all that's happening during the night's sleep. And so the more stressed or anxious we are during the day, that can really impact that, uh, impact what happens during your dreaming state at night. Yeah, that's so true. And do we actually start when we've had that dreaming to feel into what those dreams could be um, teaching us as well? I, I had someone yesterday telling me that she was in a real pattern um, that wasn't supporting her and then she had this pretty profound dream that was really confronting and quite scary when she was having it. But she said, I actually needed that because it showed me so clearly what, what I'd been doing and, and what I'd gotten into um, and I wouldn't have kind of clocked it, but it, it made me stop and it scared me and I woke up and went, yeah, actually I can see um, what's happening with that. Sometimes you get dreams that are just disturbing in the sense they don't make sense and it, it's showing that you've, you've got a lot going on and there could be a bit of disarray. Other times it's, yeah, it's quite clear to go, okay, that I need to look at that or that doesn't feel so good or, you know, it's showing us more than... Um, because, if yeah, if you're going to sleep and you've got a lot on, that part of your mind is still active. So it can, especially if you're getting those repeat dreams that happen as well, just to stop and go, well, what's in that dream? You know, what, what could it be showing me as well? In, the, in relation to what perhaps may be needing shifting in your day-to-day. -day. Yeah, that's so true because the content of the dreams, whilst obviously sometimes they can be weird and strange, um, depending on what's coming up, can it can be sort of almost stuff from your subconscious um, or the unconscious mind 
that can yeah. come up. And I know when I've woken up and I'm like, why was I thinking about that? And mm. or a, a person might have featured in my dream or a scenario, and it might be all a bit weird and out of context as dreams can be, but you're right. It can often be, it can often be your body's way of trying to communicate to you that there's something that perhaps is not resolved or there's a situation that's occurred that's been on your mind. It doesn't have to be a, a big sort of big problem or anything, but it can just be something that you can go, oh, okay, yeah, if I think about it, um, I, I get why well, that person has been on my mind for this reason or it might be someone you've had a perhaps an issue with or someone that you've been really worried about mm. and it just comes up and you might have seen something on Facebook or, you know, a couple of weeks ago or and you haven't consciously noted noted it but that can sort of seep into the background of your mind and then re resurface in that dream state. So it is so true that the content can be really useful pointers. Definitely. And you've mentioned something pretty key that I want to touch on as well in relation to Facebook and social media. But just before going into that, if there's anyone who wants to explore any sleep related aspects um, further specifics, please feel free to add those to the question box and we'll um, visit that in the remaining time that we have. Um, but really key, Sam, what you've mentioned, um, Facebook, screen time, etc. I know there's devices that you can put on your computers to reduce the light. Um, so that it's not as, I think it's wake times, one of them, not as strong in the evening, so your eyes are adjusting as well. Uh, but if we're in a habit of turning on the computer and looking at emails before going to bed, you know, maybe that's not actually working for us because it might then get the activity going a little bit more. If you didn't need to check emails maybe an hour before bed or an hour and a half before bed, and then you actually have your time where you're going, that's enough now. You know, I've completed my day. I've given all to my day and now I need to give that same focus to me, preparing the household so that we're going to have a good night's sleep. Um, it's amazing how you start to hear people that haven't been interested in social media or Facebook start to say, oh, I've just got this really bad habit where I'm looking at my Facebook reel every night before I go to bed. That's a classic sabotage because if, you, if you're getting stimulated, it's no different to watching TV shows that you know don't support you it's a real way of we think we're having a bit of me time, but we're actually checking out. And again, that does affect your sleep too, because you're not consciously putting yourself to sleep. You're just getting into bed and, and just crashing versus actually. Um, and look, I, I, I know when I do that myself, when I'm that tired and do that, but it's a, it's a really good mark to go, hey, you know what? What's happening that as soon as your head hits the pillow, you're, you're asleep or you're feeling like you're want to nod off when you're having dinner or whatever it happens to be. It's just showing that that preparation time could happen earlier and many families don't have that much time of an evening by the time we get home from work, etc. But if we look at the household as a whole, look at the tasks that need to be done so that it's not all on one person or two people's shoulders when we can and when there's other people that are able or say feeding the dog or putting the bin out or putting a load of washing on, putting a load of washing out, helping with the food, etc. So everyone's sleep is just as important and especially parents' sleep because if we're not feeling um, that we're getting enough, enough quality, then we're going to be crabby when we wake up the next morning and then we start to feel guilty because we're being crabby and it's this cycle that continues. So looking at it as a whole family rather than just my sleeping problems and, and bringing it out bigger, that often gives you clues as to what needs to, to shift as well. Yeah, bringing other people into the um, picture or, or what other support um, and realising if you're doing a lot on your own is such a big thing. Um, and when you said crashing or sort of you're like you're crashing out into bed at night, um, there's a, just had a question in which made me think of this. Um, and the question was about alcohol before bed. Um, and sometimes the person has a glass of wine at night because it relaxes relaxes them. But then what's the impact of alcohol on your sleep? And it made me think of what you said around crashing out because a glass or two of alcohol, um, it does certainly takes the edge off if you had a busy day. It can initially calm the mind. And it often people, often my clients talk about it really helping them get to sleep. And it can be really... Um, and, there, and that happens, of course. You, you, you can get you off to sleep quickly, especially if you're someone who 
typically has trouble going to sleep or getting to sleep is, is an issue for you. Um, but Katie, just keen for your thoughts on, on the impact of alcohol more generally, because I know it has, um, you know, a negative effect overall if, you, if you're drinking a bit too much before you go to sleep or, in fact, if you need it to get to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and it makes so much sense why people do that. And, again, it's the body crying out to go, I need more well-being focus during my day. I need more focus rather than us looking at our tasks and everything we need to do. I need to be equally considered, hence the feeling that we need to take the edge off because we haven't supported our body. So it's looking for it with edges. It's, you know, taking the edge off. It's looking for it with stimulation or substances that take the edge off because we're not loving it to the level we need to. No criticism. It's great the body does that because if it doesn't, sickness and disease is just going to get more and more and more. We might get feel tired. That'll be the first symptoms that the body does. And then if we're not evaluating and shifting what we need to, you might get a cold. And then if we're not evaluating and shifting, you might get a virus that lasts for a long time or you might get another secondary um, ailment because if the body's going, you're not listening to me, my cells aren't getting what I need. So sickness and disease is an indicator of that, as is wanting to take the edge off because the body's going, you know what, the way you are with me is not giving you what you need to be able to do everything you're asking your body to do in that day. So it's really, really clever. It's fairly black and white. The body doesn't lie. And there's so many aspects that we are overriding in society and then using different things, be it chocolate, be it sugar, be it glass of wine, be it cigarettes, be it TV, be it addiction to social media, whatever it happens to be to take that edge off. But they all have an effect, just as you're saying, Sam. We don't get away with it and it, it does accumulate with time. And, and then the next night you'll just feel like another glass of wine to take the edge off. No criticism makes totally un total sense the body's depleted it's not we're not giving it what it needs so it's asking for that relief from other other stimulants or weight activities to get that relief but it does it does affect your sleep alcohol does affect it all it'll numb you etc but you won't you know get that rejuvenation that we're talking about and then your body actually has to work harder so again it's a personal thing um, feeling into what aspect of um, support you want to work with, be it maybe with that aspect of alcohol. But we, if we're going to be taking something away, we've got to replace it in the sense that I've got to start listening and honouring what I'm feeling more because otherwise it's cruel. If I take my vice away and I'm not upping from the inside out what my body mm. needs to feel better, it's a bit cruel, isn't it? It's great advice because often we think, oh, well, I can't do that, you know, in inverted commas, bad thing. Um, but we're not, as you say, doing something to compensate for it because if we've been doing something like going to one of our escapes, whether it be a, a few drinks at night or um, TV or cigarettes, coffee, and then we take it away, the body tries to, to compensate for it. Um, the, you know, when that when that thing is gone, it, it sort of, we form a habit and the body will try and compensate or, and we're, we're inadvertently training the body to need that thing. Mm. So when we take it away, initially the body goes into a bit of chaos because it's like, hang on, you've been giving me this glass of wine every night, you know, to get me off to sleep. I'm not saying this is obviously the case with the person who asked the question or if it's just TV every night. And if we take that away, the body goes into a bit of chaos because it's like, hang on, I've, I've needed this stimulation or this substance. Um, you know, um, at this time every day and now I'm not used to it. And so the body will then start to give you that agitation. It can just be really subtle that agitation. And that's when often we then go, oh, okay, oh, it's just easier to have a, a drink or to switch the TV back on again or have that cigarette. So we, it's, it's right. I think it's bringing yourself into awareness around it, being aware that you might have a bit of a, the body might go into a bit of chaos just initially and then really honouring yourself and, and what is it that I need to be doing perhaps during the day so I'm not getting to a point where I'm so tired that I or my there's so much going on in my head that I just want to zone out with that thing. I think that's, you know, such good advice um, because we want to sort of not punish ourselves 
um, for what we're doing and we want to then be able to in a place where we can be aware of the possible impacts of making change but being able to support ourselves so if we do decide to back off the tv having a drink that we're able to then support that change mm -hmm. and, and and katie what you were talking about before i think um you're sort of talking about um how much we're, we're sort of switched on um there's so much going on in our lives but and what I wanted to talk about in relation to that was just mentioning at least, at the very least, meditation. Because meditation is a way to calm your conscious mind down. Um, often people who start to try meditation for the first time, um, especially if they're doing it lying down, they might go onto YouTube and look up, say, a 10-minute guided meditation. They might have a Headspace app and listen to someone talking them through a meditation for 15 minutes or 20 minutes they often start to fall asleep. Um, and that can be a sign that you're probably, you know, you're pretty tired and that there's a lot going on. Um, but if you do fall straight to sleep, then you, you, you're sort of dropping into that unconscious state. So you, your mind is still not getting a break in its waking moments. So one of the keys to really starting to tackle some of the issues of sleep can be ensuring that during the day, um, there's an, you're getting time where your conscious mind, whilst you're awake, is going into a calm state. So there can be many ways to do that, but one of the ways in is meditation. So regularly doing meditation once a day, if you can, even for a short period of time, or starting to introduce it into your life, can be a way to really calm your conscious mind down. And that brings you into more awareness. It brings you into the moment a bit more so you can start to see patterns in your life that might be impacting your sleep. You're more likely to be in a space if you've perhaps meditated that day to then if you realise that you're going to one of your vices, you're more likely to be able to have the clarity of mind and go, hang on, is that really serving me now? So I just wanted to mention that as another tool that people can really use to help with any sleep issues they might be experiencing. Yeah, good good advice and, and it could even also to add to that, um, you know, taking 15 minutes in the morning to go for a walk when you wake up, if that's something that you like doing or 20 minutes and having having that time allocated for yourself as well. And so often people say, I'm too busy, I'm too busy to do that, but we're actually too busy not to, you know, we're, we've got big commitments, so we're too busy not to prioritise ourselves as the same as we would a meeting or anything else. And, you know, with, with what Sam was saying um, in relation to the body's going to want to have these vices to relieve the pressure, when we understand that, then they, there's no room for judgment. It's going, okay, especially people can say, oh, I've tried, I've tried, you know, and I used to be, ha I used to have such great willpower, but it's not working anymore. But it makes sense. It's not actually just a matter of willpower because it's a physical thing that's happening in the body. Then it wants something to make it feel better. And the thing with alcohol and sugar, etc., is you'll get a peak, you'll get a relief, but then there's a big dip. And that dip is actually greater than what we realise. And then it, it feels awful. And then we've got to work even harder to get out of that dip, so to speak. So, you know, there's no judgment here. Hats off to anyone who's on the call to go actually. I want to look at my sleep. I can feel the effect it's having. Lack of sleep actually has a far greater effect than often than what we're realising on our on our relationship, on our health, on our ability to be make clear decisions. So it's so super important. Um, yeah, very very important. So you know, well done for for looking at it, wanting to improve, and um, yeah, enjoy experimenting with some of the things that are suggested if they um, ring a bell for you. Um, but it, every little shift you have, give it some time. You know, try and be consistent with it because the benefits of that are huge. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, and a great question. You know, it, it is really touching on on something that we all have our little vices. And um, yeah, so such a great question. So thank you for sharing. Mm. For asking it. Yeah, definitely. Is there any? Are there any other questions or aspects? No, I think we're. I think we've we've covered it all, um, mm -hmm. Katie. I think so. That was great.
Yeah. Just in time Beautiful. too, I think. We've, yeah, we've come to time. And our next um, podcast is on the 27th of June. Um, again, if, if you do want access to that, you need to book separately for, for each, each event. And um, as we said in the beginning, the uh, recording of this event will be emailed to you. Yes, and it's um, I think it's um, it's on um, food is the medicine or, or food is medicine. I think that's what we're talking about in a month's time. We were doing these uh, sort of two weekly for the first series, which and because they've they've gone really well, we're doing it. We're going to continue on with them, um, but we're going to just push them out monthly now. Um, mm. So I think the next one's on food is medicine. So it should be a really good topic. And that's a juicy topic. That's no different to sleep because again, we'll be exploring. Um, many aspects that we mightn't realise are affecting our sleep. Uh, sorry, our food, the choices that we're having, the cravings that we're wanting to have, um, why we're having those. Because, um, you know, our intentions are, are really there to eat well. So we can use that time to go, what's getting in the way then? If my intentions are there, why is it that every year I struggle with this or I come around to wanting to work with this and it's still happening? So, yeah, look, look forward to that time. Fantastic. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Sam. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Katie.